Mrs Spence, thank you very much for agreeing to speak with us. Could you explain the problem with the public's understanding of crime and the criminal justice system? And in particular, do you think people are more frightened than they need to be? It's actually quite complex. I actually think that the public's understanding of crime and the criminal justice system comes from many different areas. Firstly, it is about what they see and read in the media, both the factual media and also through fiction. Uh, you know, programmes like The Bill will, will shape what they think reality actually is. And then in relation to their own particular fears, it is actually what some of them see, feel and perceive every single day of their lives, and that will depend on the place where they're personally at and where they live. There are others who would never see, feel or experience any crime or criminality, but are very much influenced by what they hear others say and then what they read in the media and what they think is actually what they believe then is actually going on in their own neighbourhood. And part of that I think comes from the fact that if you have a television or a radio in your room, you sometimes immediately think that what you're seeing hearing in your own room is actually happening next door and in your street, even though you don't actually experience your, experience it yourself. So I think we're here in a in a very complex place and maybe it's just about a modern world and people adapting to it, but clearly there is a, a disparity between the actual levels of crime which are coming down but people's fears of crime which is going up. So I think there is something we can do to mitigate that uh, and that's hopefully what some of the conference is going to help us develop our thinking on. Mm. So specifically, what, I mean, what do you think is to blame for the disparity between the falling crime according to the statistics and the public's fear? Is it the press and the, and the media, as you were saying? I, I think the media play a part, and I don't want to vilify the media, but I think their reporting of it without giving a full context um, to the events that they're describing uh, can make something seem that is minor in, in numeric numbers seem as if it's happening every t everywhere uh, within the country and all of the time. So I, I think some more responsibility is required in putting the fact... And knife crime, I suppose, is a good example, where you're talking really about crimes that are in the hundreds, and nobody would say that knife crime, when it happens to somebody you know, isn't a very serious offence and doesn't leave traumatic consequences. But the numbers you're talking about are really quite small, but the view and the fear is far wider than that. Uh, and I have a really good example when uh, street robbery was uh, a priority in London and some of the other urban areas, that when we were doing local meetings within the Thames Valley area and in South Oxfordshire, where it's a very rural, very safe place to be, when we asked them for their priorities, it was street robbery. Well, there was never going to be a street robbery. In fact, it was once every 239 years that there might have been a street robbery in Southern Oxfordshire. So it really does show the influence of people... Um, listening to the media but not having the context for their own locality. And again, I think there are things that we can do about that, but we need to really understand the whole issue around fear because there's something around... There are people who will never be fearful and there are people who will always be fearful and there's personal vulnerabilities that, again, we don't understand and I'm sure there are messages that we can put out that would actually help those who are, who are feeling vulnerable feel less vulnerable. So, I mean, I suppose my next question w was about... Uh well, drug or gun-related crime, but also knife-related crime. I mean, are there any areas where you think the public might be justified in their concerns about levels of crime? Are, I mean, are there any areas in which crimes are, are in, on the increase? With the current economic situation, there are, is some increase, but again, that's not due to people who are suddenly faced, facing losing their jobs 
uh, or face of the mountain of debt suddenly reverting, or, or not even reverting, suddenly taking to a criminal lifestyle. But the way the public can fuel um, crime uh, rises is because they might turn a blind eye to the fact they're offered something that they actually want to maintain their lifestyle, maybe an iPod or maybe a television um, in uh, a pub type of environment or even at a car boot sale, and they pay really low, lower than the market price for it, but never think to ask the question, well, where did that come from and how did they get it so cheaply? So inadvertently, people can start to fuel the, um, the crime trends and also inadvertently fuel people's cars in their area, people's houses in their area being burgled. So there is some increases in some areas of crime, but at the moment within the, within the United Kingdom, we have the lowest levels of victimisation that we've had for years. And so that's why that I think you know we're all asking ourselves questions as to why is crime down, yet people's fear is up. And that's where I think you come to, it's the story and the narrative that's told around those crimes that is, is the factor. Because that's what people listen to, the radio's on, the television's on. Very few people live a hermit's lifestyle and, and never get impacted by this. And so it's what you see and feel. And there can also be the fact that within a modern society, people are always moving and changing, they expect to move and change. And if you find change difficult, then perhaps your vulnerabilities are up and you start to be more fearful of anything and everything. Uh, and I think that there is issues that we need to explore around that. Because I'm sure that professionals working together can identify and hit the hotspots. We've just probably never asked ourselves the real questions around what tactics and what um, influence can we have over this agenda. We've talked about it, but never looked at what we can really, really do about it. How do you respond personally to calls to toughen our criminal justice system? I mean, do you think that tougher sentencing would reassure people that justice is being done? I think that this, this is one of those areas where I see politically administrations always looking for the holy grail, the one solution that would that would solve crime or to reassure people that justice is being done. I think it's far more complex than that. And again, if you look at the range of people who offend, there needs to be a range of solutions. It's, we're, in a, we're in an arena where it's definitely not one size fits all. And you can do different interventions with different individuals or different interventions with the same individual and you will find that some things will work and some things won't work. So you need to have a menu and, and this hunt for one uh, holy grail or one method of doing it or one hard sentence will sort that person out is the wrong tree to be barking up, quite frankly. Um, and I think that what we do need to do with the public, uh, and it very much comes out from some of the work that Louise Casey has been doing, is we need to be communicating the results, the consequences, and some of the case histories. Because quite often, and I know, again, probation have been doing some work, uh, and actually have a series of, of scenarios which they're taking into the community, which you start off with a scenario and... and um, Maybe it's uh, somebody has, has done something uh, heinous, like stabbed somebody. The initial response is, you know, hang them and flog them, need to be sorted out. But then when they start to get the life history of why that event actually happened, they then can see that there are other solutions, not just the hang them and flog them solution. So I think somehow we have to get away from the 10-second soundbite and more into the this is the life history and actually this is the most appropriate consequence for that particular action for that particular person. Clearly there are some people who need to have the hard sentences because what they have done is, is unforgivable uh, and maybe doesn't have that same sort of levels of mitigation. But that's at the you know, one end of the spectrum. There is a, the spectrum is a long place where you could have lots of different interventions which will be effective.
Can you explain to us what community and restorative justice is and, and whether the public ought to have more confidence in these sorts of schemes? I think that if you look at the criminal justice system as it currently operates, it's very adversarial and the, the one sort of overriding factor is that you never get the offender really to take responsibility for or account for what they have actually done. Uh, and they can sit in a whole process in a court system and never say uh, anything other than guilty or not guilty. They're never brought into the conversations, they're never asked for why they did it, they never really understand or can sit back in their chair and not really listen to and understand what they've actually done to victims. Whereas with restorative solutions you actually get victims and offenders coming together where both get to understand the other's perspective and then out of that comes some form of reparation. It may just be saying sorry, but it may be something else uh, that, that is seen to be appropriate. But you actually start to get people taking responsibility, and as much as people see it as a very soft option, there are many, many, many examples that show it's definitely not easy for offenders to suddenly start realising what they've done, the consequences of what they've done, and to do something about it. And that's where you get real advantages by looking at restorative type of solutions. Mm. Whose job do you think it is to reassure the public that justice is being done? Everybody within the criminal justice system. And also, I think, that there are responsibilities from others outside the criminal justice system. If you're looking for politicians in the media, I think they have a key role. But definitely all the agencies that work in it day to day should be accounting to the public because they're publicly funded, publicly run services for their part. So we as the police should be talking about our role in the investigation. The Crown Prosecution Service should be explaining why they are prosecuting or not prosecuting somebody. The justices, whether that's um, judges or magistrates, should be giving explanations as to why they found somebody guilty or not guilty. The court should be really proactive in making sure the results of cases go to victims and witnesses, because I think if they've been conjoined into... Um, a case they, they have a right to know and understand, and then working with neighbourhood police officers, making sure communities know what's actually happened in relation to sentences. Prisons need to justify some of the actions that they take in relation to giving parole or not giving parole. And the probation service need to be held accountable and talk uh, through what they're doing with offenders in communities. So I think everybody has a role to explain, and quite often it's just seem to be the police and maybe the courts that, uh, uh, that give some explanations and not everybody is enjoined in it. And I think if people understood the whole process, then maybe they'd have more confidence in the, in the fact that justice is being done and it's being seen to be done. Thank you very much. But the final question, I suppose, is what, what you hope might be the outcomes of our upcoming conference, which is dealing with these issues? I think from the uh, range of speakers that we have um, and their level and depth of knowledge that we're actually going to be able to share between a range of professions the knowledge that we all have perhaps in silos and we all leave with a far better understanding of the complexities of crime and people's fear of crime uh, and then we can start to think through how we actually go about it together to improve that and, and ultimately what I'm looking for is is you know over the coming years for the public to have more confidence in the criminal justice system but importantly the public to have more confidence in themselves that they can go about their daily lives without having an unrealistic fear 
the dangers that surround them. Mrs Spence, thank you very much for your time. Thank you.